Okay, uh, turn with me in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 4. We're going to continue on part 3 of a series that we've been on, uh, talking about understanding the age to come. And the last two sessions, we've really just given background information. We've really kind of just given enough to get us up to an overview. And uh, I'm being a bit meticulous in the way that I'm presenting this, and we'll probably do about eight sessions. We'll see, six to eight. But I'm being a bit meticulous in the way that I'm doing this because I want this to be a resource uh, for people that want to understand um, about the age to come, and, uh, and especially for those that listen to us by internet. There are thousands that actually listen to us by internet. Uh, it's, it's really uh, astounding, but pretty much everywhere I go, uh, people come up to me and they say, hey, you don't, you don't know I, how much I appreciate your podcasts. I listen to those. Um, and so, um, you know, for the people that are listening to us uh, on the internet, hey, go to our website and check out everything that's happening here at IHOP Atlanta. Bless you. <laughs> get, uh, get on our mailing list. I, uh, we realized just recently, actually, that our, our mailing list doesn't have uh, as many of the, the emails as we thought we had for people that are out there that are interested in connecting to our stuff. Now I'm just talking for you and for the group that's listening by the internet. <laughs> this is kind of funny. And, um, and so if you, by the way, if you are not on our mailing list, if you don't get emails from us, sign up for that in the lobby and you'll get one wherever we're doing a conference. You'll get all the information of what's going on here. And so uh, you can go to our website if you're listening by internet and uh, sign up for our email list there. But I want to go meticulously through this and uh, just give it as, make this be a resource for, for those that are trying to understand what's the deal with the coming ages. And so that's why I'm taking my time a little bit on it. Uh, plus, it has the power to completely shift the way that you perceive the Lord and the way that you read the scriptures. And so that's what we're ultimately after, is greater revelation in the knowledge of God. We want to find out who he is, what he's like, what he's doing, what his agenda is, what his plans are, uh, large uh, scale, long term. And so, um, and that's why we're taking it through. So the last two sessions we've done, we have kind of set the table and so now I'm just going to give a, a bit of an overview and give some definitions of the kingdom. I was struck last week as I'm preaching along, and literally the, the word of the Lord is on me. It's coming out of me so fast, it's almost like I'm holding on while it's just piling out of me until a moment where, and to those of you who are here that you know this, power hits the room and several people begin to automatically just laughing in the spirit, just at the preaching of the word about the kingdom to come. And I thought that was a powerful demonstration of the proclamation of that age and how the, the powers that we experience now are powers that are actually borrowed from the age to come, which is what Hebrews 6 tells us. It actually calls them powers of the age to come. So when we manifest power in this age, when we manifest healing, when we cast out a demon, when the power of the Holy Spirit is present, touching people, that's actually powers, if you can think of it this way, borrowed from the age to come. The next age, we are going to have, I mean, the most marvelous encounters with the Holy Spirit. There's going to be the most powerful healing meetings. I mean, you're like, healing meetings? Yes, Jesus is actually going to be proclaiming truth from Zion. He's actually going to have meetings where he's healing everybody. And so we're going to talk about in detail what that's going to look like. But uh, so today I want to give an overview. I'm just kind of, I've got, I've been studying this so much. I've got so many thoughts. 
Help me, Lord, to keep it straight. And, uh, and so this is why I'm taking my time with it. I want it to be a resource for you and for others. Okay. If you're taking notes, I want to give you five reasons we need to study this. Five reasons we need to study the age to come. I want to, I want to really take a moment on this to get this clear in your heart. Number one, we need to study the age to come to gain revelation and proper perspective of God's plans throughout all the ages. If you have proper perspective of God's plans throughout the ages, you, your, the vision for your life dramatically shifts. Dramatically shifts. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said this, he goes, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but he said, in this life, in this age, you about have the time to make one decision. Just one decision. What will you do with Jesus? And if you think about your life, there are so many dreams, so much gifting in you, so many desires, all sorts of stuff you want to do, all sorts of uh, gifts that you could employ, things you could do, but you don't have in 70, 80 years near enough time to do everything that's in your heart to do. Would you say amen to that? Well, why? It's because it doesn't end after this age. After your 70, 80 years, there are ages to come by which God will use the very gifts and talents and things that he's put in you. You'll actually get to do those. Some of you, you know, like me, I have a hidden gift to sing. And, you know, there's just not time for me to exercise it in this age. But, in another age with a glorified body, me, 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 me. I mean, it's going to be good. Hallelujah. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm being funny with that. But the point is, you have got all sorts of giftings that you'll never be able to use to their full in this life. And one man goes, oh, it's tragedy unfulfilled potential. And I go, no, 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 not in the kingdom. Because in the next stage, all of your gifts are going to be operating through you with a glorified body. You're going to be employed in uh, Jesus' government and his leadership team. You're going to be helping him rule the nations. The meek are going to inherit the earth. And you will be using all that gifting and all those desires in you. And you'll be employing them in the next age in a powerful way. So we have time in this age to make basically one decision, and to get started on our journey. And we have ages to come that we get to walk these things out. If you don't have a picture of the ages to come, you live without the right perspective. You lack vision. You don't understand God's agenda. You don't understand his will for your life. You don't have vision that goes beyond your 70 or 80 years. You know, and, and you live like uh, some people I referenced a couple weeks ago in this documentary I watched. They, you know, they were these young people and they believe that Jesus is coming back soon, and, but they have no picture of the age to come. And, and they, they interviewed them. They said, well, yeah, we believe Jesus is coming back, but we don't want him to come back anytime soon. And they said, well, why? They said, well, we want to we live. We want to do all the things you can do in this life. You know, they're like, they want to be like 89 just about to breathe their last, last breath, and then Jesus comes back. Because they imagine that the best that it gets is this age. Beloved, this age is the shadow. 
It's the shadow. And the next stage has got massive implications. If you understand God's plan throughout the ages, you will have a different perspective. You'll have a different vision. You'll go hard in this life, but you won't be fatalistic in the way that you approach the end of the age. You're like, man, we're just about to birth the kingdom. It's about to get started. It's about to get good. My son, he's 11, and I shared that with him. I shared, you know, I just watched this documentary, and these young people, they didn't want Jesus to come back. He goes, what? My 11-year-old. Because his, his greatest dream in life is getting a glorified body. I mean, you become an instant superhero. You can fly. You can walk through walls. You know what I mean? He goes, what do you mean? Like, yeah, they just want to, they think this whole life is everything. He goes, oh, man, they have no idea. They've got to get the glorified body, man. And all he can imagine is having every cell of his being permeated with the glory of God and being able to do all the cool stuff that you get, that you get to do when you get a glorified body. He goes, man, they don't get it. I go, I know. So understand the age to go, come, it gives you perspective. Second, when you understand the age to come, when you understand how God's going to culminate this age, you get confidence in God's victory. Confidence in the ultimate victory and the establishment of the kingdom of God on the earth. And here's the thing. When, you confident, when you're confident about the way that God is going to bring the victory and that God is going to establish his kingdom, when you're confident about what his agenda and his will is, you can connect to it with dynamic faith rather than just, you know, we just kind of show up at church and we kind of sing a few songs and hear a little message. We just go back home and hopefully we're getting by every week so we can stumble back in the door after we've been torn apart by the world all week, worship the Lord again and get a little message to pump us up. If you have understanding of the victory that Jesus is going to bring over the powers of the enemy, that Jesus Christ is going to overthrow the thrones of all nations, the world will see it as a hostile takeover, but Jesus is coming back to rule the nations, coming back to rule every society, that the ultimate victory of the cross is going to be walked out by Jesus as a man ruling the kingdom of God on the earth. If you see that, you're like, man, we win. And you understand that this is not just about sort of propping yourself up from week to week to barely get by. You are part of a kingdom, a global empire, led by Jesus Christ and the victory is secure the victory is sure the victory is going to be manifest in fullness in a planet near you very soon see it changes the way you you, you connect to it you go man I see this oh I see what he's doing oh oh you mean the end of the age Oh, it's not about the devil and the Antichrist. It's about the birthing of the kingdom of God and Jesus coming back to take over the nations. Oh, there's another age, thousand years of Jesus reigning. Victory is the Lord's. Oh, I get it. And so you, you, you have confidence and you live in faith and you can connect to what God's doing. Otherwise, you just kind of have this, you know, you know, it's like your vision for your life, like if you're really aggressive, it's like maybe I'll get some power and be able to heal a few people. 
You know, most Christians, the vision for their life is after they get saved, they don't want to cuss or go to R-rated movies anymore. Some of them, that's not even like, they just don't want to cuss anymore. You know what I mean? Like the vision is so low. They want to faithfully show up at church, you know, at least a couple times a month. And whatever, don't get divorced. That's their whole vision. But when you connect to what God's doing, my vision is to connect to the heart of the God who's gonna institute a global takeover. (laughs) It's gonna take over every nation. I'm praying unto that end, kingdom come, will be done. Yeah, I'm praying that Jesus would rule every sphere of every society, of every culture over the whole earth. And I wanna connect in partnership with that victory and I wanna be part of his leadership team in the age to come. And I wanna get a cool job coming up. I've got a job review with Jesus. He's gonna reward me and then he's gonna you know, put me in place. Yeah, my vision is like global thermonuclear glory bombs. You know what I'm saying? I mean, of course I wanna live godly in this age. Of course. I want to be a part of the culture of the kingdom. Of course, I want to, I want to live meekly and, and humbly and serve and give. Why? Because we're just training. We're just in training. This is the internship. 70 years to, to make the right decision and begin to get trained in the culture and a 1,000 years to walk it out in dominion on the earth. Third, the reason we study this Oh, this is so important. It's to recognize the continuity between your life and works in this age and your life and works in the age to come. What you're doing now has massive implications as it relates to where you will be positioned in the next age, the rewards you will receive from the Lord, Jesus made it real clear to his disciples in Luke, and you can just look at the verses yourself. Chapter 22, verse 24 through 30. He really lays it out to them, and he says, your faithfulness to me in this age determines your role in the next. He goes, and those of you that will be faithful to me in this age you will be on thrones judging the nation of Israel in the next, talking to his core leadership team. Those guys are actually going to be the key leadership team of the nation of Israel in the next age. And so Jesus dials in this continuity. The way that you live now, the faithfulness, the obedience, the humility, the amount that you manifest, the value system of the kingdom now, has dynamic implications to where you will be positioned in the next age. Not only that, wherever you manifest and and implement the values of the kingdom in this age, those things that you implement, for instance, let's let's give it a little something tactile. If we, for instance, get abortion overturned, okay? We get that law off the books. And we get a law in the books that says abortion is not legal. That is a kingdom idea. God is not in support of murdering babies in the womb. It doesn't matter, Democrat or Republican, what matters is God. 
kingdom of God is we don't murder babies in the womb. He's the author of life. So we get the law moved. Well, guess what, beloved? There's still going to be a government in the United States. There's still going to be a United States in the age to come. There's still going to be government. There's still going to be laws in the age to come. And the laws are going to all be according to the kingdom of God. Well, here's the thing. If we get a law on the books in this age that is a kingdom law that has kingdom values, that law stays on the books in the next age. It's continuity. What you establish of kingdom effect now has the ability to maintain and stay until the next age. Jesus called it fruit that remains. And so what we're doing right now is we are manifesting the power of the kingdom. We're proclaiming the culture of the kingdom. We're declaring to the lost that there's an entrance to the kingdom by the king's shed blood. They can become a part of the kingdom. They can receive the values of the kingdom. They can receive the provision of the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom and all these things shall be added to you. There's a social security program. Seek first the kingdom and everything's added. So we're, we're doing that now and whatever ground we take for the kingdom right now, that is gonna carry over into the next age. I'm believing for this. I'm believing for the kingdom of God to invade the city of Atlanta to such a dramatic extent that we get a demon-free zone, that we get a hundred you know, percent conversions, that the laws begin to change, that the ground begins to get healed. Listen, when the ground is healed in this age, it just stays healed on into the next. <laughs> That's how it works. So that's what we're doing. We're releasing the kingdom. We're proclaiming the kingdom. We're seeking the manifestation of the kingdom. And whatever we get to manifest in this age, that has continuity into the next. Your life and your works have dynamic continuity, not just to your rewards and your placement, but to what is established in the earth. Does that make sense? D. Oh, this one's, this one that, that, this is the one I've been spinning on all week. Did you find Isaiah yet? Isaiah 4. Powerful. Look at this. Isaiah 4. Look at verse 2. In that day, talking about the day when Jesus is ruling on the earth. In that day, the branch of the Lord, the branch, that's the human side. That God uses this term branch and root, talking about Jesus. He's a root of Jesse. He's a branch from the house of, from the house of Jesse. He's a, he's, a, he's a human is the point. That's the point. That's why he uses that language, root and branch. He's this human. That's why when Jesus shows up to John in Revelation, he goes, I'm the root and the offspring of David. Okay, He's the branch of David. He's the root of Jesse. This is Jesus. In that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious. Shall be beautiful and glorious. Haggai chapter 2 
talking about that same day, said he's going to be called the desire of all nations. Listen, Jesus is beautiful and glorious right now. We just don't really see him. You can. You can, in prayer, have the eyes of your understanding opened and see him with spiritual eyes and it will fascinate you. His beauty is enthralling. His beauty is shocking. His beauty is designed to shock the human heart and to to make humans magnetic to him. And the amount that we're bored with God, uh, it's really an indictment to us because it shows how little of his beauty we've actually seen. His beauty is to blow us away. And men have a hard time with this. Like the beauty of another guy, like, okay. What do you mean? What I mean, men, is this. There's something more beautiful than pornography. There's something more beautiful than whatever your eyes are lusting to see. There's something more beautiful than the most amazing sunset, the greatest pyrotechnics, it's 4th of July, greatest fireworks show. There's something more beautiful to perceive, and it's Jesus. He is the perfection of beauty. He defines beauty. Now here's the thing. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful. What's he describing? Well, on one level, he's describing this, that we're going to see him like we've never seen him. We've never seen him. The the veils are going to come off of us and we're going to see him. We're going to perceive Jesus in all his beauty. He's coming in the glory of the Father and of his own glory. He's coming in the glory of the holy angels and flaming fire. He's coming with, with, I mean, chariots of fire and glory. We're going to see him as beautiful. So yes, on the one side, it's us actually being able to see him. But I tell you, there is an unveiling coming. When the nations actually see Jesus, and when Jesus actually turns his glory on at level 10. See, when the, when the disciples saw him on the road of Emmaus, he had, road to Emmaus, he had the glory turned down. They couldn't even recognize him, remember? And when they ate fish with him uh, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he had the glory turned down. He's just like another guy. But when John sees him on the Isle of Patmos, he has the glory turned up. And his good friend John, who laid his head on his breast at the Last Supper, his good friend John falls down as a dead man in front of him because of the beauty and the glory that's coming off of him. And beloved, I don't think anybody's seen anything yet because the scripture declares in that day he shall be beautiful and glorious. In other words, there's an unveiling coming of the Son of God. We are going to see him in a way that is going to enthrall us and, and, I mean, mesmerize our hearts, draw us in in a way you and I have never dreamed. We don't have, I mean, we've just got a glimpse of what this is. There's a time coming when he's, his name will be the desire of all nations. In that day, he shall be beautiful and glorious. I love uh, Psalm 48. It's talking about the kings of the nations in the next age. They're actually going to make their procession to, to Israel. They're going to see Jesus. 
And, and it says they're going to marvel. They're going to be amazed at his glory and his beauty. And then the very next phrase says they're going to be in fear and in terror. I mean, it's, the, it's the, totally the Mufasa effect. Say it, Mufasa. Oh, say it again. Oh, Jesus. Oh, just say it again. Oh, just chills your heart. Just, you guys didn't see Lion King? Okay. It's all right. What I mean is, it's so shocking that you, you want more and more will kill you. It's the ultimate fly to the light. Oh, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> My face is melting. So they, they go by and they marvel at Jesus' beauty. They marvel. And then they go, whoa, whoa. You, he goes, come on in. <laughs> they go, you are... Oh, no. He goes, yes. They're like, oh, oh, you're terrifying. You're beautiful and you're terrifying. That's Jesus. Oh, we're going to see him in his beauty. The unveiling of the beauty of the Son of God. Oh, I love Isaiah 33, 17. It says, your eyes shall see the king in his beauty. Your heart shall meditate on terror. (laughs) Do you have any idea what we've gotten into? This is awesome and scary. And I mean, I pray stuff like that. I go, Lord, just let me see you. I don't care if it freaks me out for days. Just please. I don't care if like I'm really like even incapacitated. Just let me see you. And then I'll just, I'll try to make bargains. Okay, Okay, if it's not my time to come see you, then just let me see an angel. And, and I don't care if it scares me to death. Just don't scare me that bad. But <laughs> and I'll, I'll go back and forth. Just want a glimpse. Oh, but in that day, in that day, your eyes shall see the King in His beauty. In that day, the branch of the Lord He'll be beautiful. It's about the beauty of Jesus, beloved. Every nation will be drawn to Him. Oh, it's powerful. All right, fifthly. Why are we studying this? To gain confidence to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. Most of what we proclaim is the gospel of forgiveness. And, and we need to proclaim the gospel of forgiveness, the gospel of free acceptance, the gospel that says God became a man and he died for you and he has justified you. He is, though you were in prison, he has let you out and he's declared you innocent. The gospel of forgiveness is stunning and amazing, but it's not all there is. For instance, if we preach the gospel of forgiveness without the gospel of repentance, people never trade in their, own, their old kingdom and they think they're entering the kingdom of God. The gospel of forgiveness without the gospel of repentance is worthless. It's a waste of time because they have to turn away from their old sin and turn towards God. If we say you're freely accepted, just come as you are. No, you don't have to repent. Just come on in. They're like backing into the kingdom. They're not, they haven't even turned towards Jesus yet. They think they're getting something that you cannot access unless you turn away from your old sin and you turn towards Jesus. You repent so you can get the free acceptance. So you got the gospel of of forgiveness. You have the gospel that includes repentance. And, and, And this is all part of the gospel of the kingdom. 
But the gospel of the kingdom also includes this, that Jesus is coming back to rule the nations of the earth. He's a king and he's coming to rule. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. That's not just figurative. That's literal. He's going to rule every single nation. Jesus Christ is going to rule the globe. The gospel of the kingdom. So when we understand the age to come, we're able to rightly proclaim the gospel in a way that that. Uh, it's, it's in fullness and it touches the human heart in all sorts of different ways. Like preaching repentance without preaching the king doesn't really make much sense. So I got to quit doing this so I can get freely accepted? Well, yeah, you get freely accepted, you don't go to hell. But, but I really enjoy how this is going. But if you explain that there's a king and a kingdom and that those aren't, that aren't subjects of his kingdom, that they are going to be uh, arrayed against him and that you need to get in the kingdom... And you have a king, his name is Jesus, and you turn from the old kingdom, you get to the new kingdom, it makes a lot more sense. So the gospel of the kingdom. So we gain confidence. We don't limit the gospel to just free acceptance. Jesus is a king. He's going to establish his kingdom in every sphere of every society, of every nation, worldwide. Now, turn over to Ephesians 1. I'm just going to double-stitch this. We mentioned this last week, but this is such a critical point. One of the great mysteries of the kingdom, and last week we talked about the throne of David. The week, uh, prior to that, the, the time prior to that, we talked about the establishment of the kingdom of God through the line of David. Last week we talked about the throne of David. And we talked about how the, David's throne is an earthly throne. The, the Father has a heavenly throne. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God's throne. But Jesus talks about a day when he said, you, talking about the church, will sit with me upon my throne. And he is the one that's going to inherit the throne of David. He's going to sit on the throne of David, and the throne of David is an earthly throne. So what is the deal with the kingdom of God? You've got the heavenly throne that the Father sits on, and you've got an earthly throne that Jesus is going to sit on. What is this mystery? Well, Ephesians 1 lays it out for us real clean. Look at Ephesians 1. I put the NIV up there for you. He says in verse 9, He made known to us the mystery of his will, According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. So Jesus, remember the Father gave Jesus all the authority in heaven and earth. This mystery of these these thrones being joined is this, that God has given Jesus authority all the authority in heaven and on earth. Currently, he's in heaven until, until God, uh, the fullness of time, until the enemies are put under his feet. He's going to come back and reign on the earth. And he's going to join those two realities together, heaven and earth. And so we see it again. Let's pull up the new living. Put that one up there. Here it is cleanly. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ. A plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. 
So he's joining those two realities, the heavenly and the earthly throne, all under the one man, Jesus. This is a massive mystery of the kingdom, but the kingdom is going to pervade two spheres, the spiritual and the natural. That's why the Father has given him the authority in both realms, and that's why Isaiah 16, verse 5 says this, in mercy, the throne will be established. And one will sit on it in truth in the tabernacle of David. That's giving us the picture that the earthly throne is going to be a mirror of the heavenly throne with 24-7 worship and prayer. Just like it is in heaven, it's going to be on the earth. The tabernacle of David reality speaks of the 24-7 live worship and prayer. In mercy, the throne will be established, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. This is the mystery of the kingdom, the joining of the heavenly and the earthly together under one head, and that head, his name is Jesus. Okay, good. Now let's give some definition to the kingdom. We use this term, kingdom, there's about three or four terms that we use interchangeably. We say millennial kingdom, we say messianic kingdom, we say age to come, we say kingdom age. All of those speak of the same time frame that's identified in Revelation 20. It's a thousand year reign of Jesus on the planet. Messianic kingdom, millennial kingdom, kingdom age, age to come, it all speaks of the same time. Revelation 20, it's so interesting. It uses the term thousand years six times in six verses. You know, Jesus would tend to say a couple things, you know, twice. But in Revelation 20, John is writing down this prophetic experience he's having, and he writes down a thousand years six times in six verses. You think he's trying to get the point across? How long is it going to last? A thousand years. Oh, if you didn't get it the first time, here, let me say it again. Oh, and again. Oh, and again. And again, and again, and again six times. He says it six times to emphasize that it's a literal thousand years reign on the planet where Satan is bound for those thousand years. Jesus is reigning. Satan is in prison. Jesus is ruling the nations. And he's got it in Revelation 20. He explains it, uh, uh, verse 2 through 7, that the saints will reign with Jesus. That's where we get the idea of the thousand years. The term millennium doesn't actually show up in the Bible. It's just a, a term that describes thousand. Millennium, is it, it just means thousand years. Now, the millennium is one of the chief revelations in the scripture. Here's, here's how you know you're reading a, a millennial uh, prophecy. When you read a, a prophecy... From the Old Testament. And it says, like like Isaiah 35, it talks about all of the blind shall see. All of the deaf shall hear. All of the lame shall leap. You go, okay. Huh. Has there ever been a time when every blind person on the planet could see? No. Has there ever been a time when every deaf person could hear? No. Has there ever been a time when every lame person got out of their wheelchairs? No. Has there ever been a time when rivers sprung up in the desert? Sahara Desert, no. 
so when Isaiah 35 is explaining these details, that's not just some sort of figurative idea. He's talking about the power of the age to come in manifestation, and you end up finding, beloved, all these prophecies that for the longest time we spiritualized what the meanings were, they actually have literal fulfillments in a coming day and age. And man, you all of a sudden, it's amazing, but all of a sudden you start getting crystal clear detail about what the kingdom age is going to look like. All of a sudden you realize, well, there's going to be nations. Well, there's going to be governments. Well, where do the people come? Well, the Bible uses this phrase about six times, those who are left or the survivors, talking about those who make it through the great tribulation. There's a group, they're not born again. They, they don't take the mark they, uh, of the beast. They don't get destroyed with the Antichrist. So the born again group, they get raptured with Jesus. They get glorified bodies. The, the group that takes the mark, they get destroyed with the Antichrist. But there's this other group, survivors, that make it through. There's about six or eight verses that describes this group that makes it through. And that group is the group that begins to populate the next age. And that group is from all the, eight, all the nations. And that group ends up seeing the glory of the Lord. The, the power of God is, is released on that group as uh, not, not just instantly, over time. And that's where you get like the Isaiah 35. The blind shall see. The lame shall leap. The healing meetings, beloved, we've never seen it. You know, we go to the healing guy meeting, we go to Benny Hinn, we go, oh man, five people got out of wheelchairs. Wait till Yeshua from Nazareth does the healing meeting. I mean, in his first, when he first came, when he came as just the lamb, everybody that touched him got healed. And everybody that he touched got healed. <laughs> What's it going to be like when he comes, the glory is on 10? I mean, I mean, what, what, what the heck is that going to look like? It's going to look like all of the blind are going to see, all the lame are going to leave, all of the deaf are going to heal, heal. Imagine we go, okay, North American Jesus conference. Who's the speaker? Jesus. Everybody's going to show up. Everybody. What's he going to be preaching? The law, just like he teaches it in Zion. Oh. And do you think there's going to be healings? Oh, yeah. Everybody's going to get healed. Like everybody. Like everybody. Like my little brother, he's got like a little crooked arm. He's healed. I promise. Just bring him. And it is going to be, ex I mean, the healing miracles are going to be explosive. So when you begin to see the Old Testament prophecies and they obviously identify details of stuff that has never taken place and, and, and it talks about the healing of the land and the healing of all, you go, oh my goodness, these are details of the next age. And all of a sudden the scripture goes, boom, it explodes and you see it in a way you've never seen it before. Jesus is coming to release a new world order. It's going to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. He's going to be the king that sits on the throne of David. And here's what we've got to get. I mentioned it before. I just want to say it again. Anywhere that the influence of the kingdom exists is the manifestation of the kingdom in this age. The kingdom is come in an already but not yet way. 
Everybody say that. Already, but not yet. A popular theologian named George Eldon Ladd, he popularized that phrase, the already but not yet kingdom. And so we manifest the powers of the kingdom. We, we, we speak the gospel of the kingdom. We preach the culture of the kingdom. And, and we're bringing the kingdom in anywhere, any sphere of society, whether it's the, the politics or the education or the entertainment, the athletics, it doesn't matter. Wherever there is a kingdom value system happening, that is a manifestation of the kingdom now. We are manifesting the kingdom now. Beloved, that is the definition of what church is supposed to do. Church, that word is a Greek word, ekklesia. Ekklesia was a, a term that the Greeks and the Romans used. What the Romans would do when they would take over a place, they would send envoys from their kingdom from Rome, they would go and they would plant in that new place that they'd just taken over, they just conquered, and they would establish the laws, they'd establish the government, they'd establish the education system, all the holidays, they'd bring all the Roman culture. That was the ecclesia, the sent out group that was supposed to bring the culture from their place to the new place. Beloved, that's what the church is supposed to be. We're not supposed to be a building, she's got it, see? The rest of you guys are going to get in a minute. Just. We're, we, church is not a building. It is a people that bring the value system, the culture, the power, all of the stuff of the kingdom that we're from. That's why it says, you are not of this world, i.e. this world system. You are of another system, the kingdom of God. So the church is a people who manifests the power and the culture of the kingdom where they go, and that is supposed to spread that's what we're supposed to be doing. This is how we bring the kingdom. And when the kingdom exists, it, it multiplies. It, it's blessed. I mean, you, you know, there's all sorts of um, examples. But let me just give you a, like a, 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 a practical something. If the IT department at your job has a guy who's a kingdom guy, and he sets up the IT department to run by the values of the kingdom. And he's manifesting the power of the kingdom. That IT department will explode because the kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom. So where the kingdom exists, there exists blessing and power and life and light. So we bring the kingdom to whatever sphere of society we bring it. Seven different spheres of society. We bring the kingdom and the kingdom begins to manifest in those places. That's what we do now as the church. The church is not the kingdom. The church is the community of the kingdom. We are sent to bring the kingdom right now. We're occupying until he comes. And then the kingdom that is already but not yet, it then will be then and it will be established in fullness on the earth. Does that make sense? I got energy on this. I want to get us out of this fatalistic, we're going to die after 80 years and it's just all over. I want to get us out of that. I want to get us out of, you know, thinking that, well, I'm a Christian, so I have to be a good person. No, you're a part of a kingdom with a different culture. Our values of meekness and servanthood and giving and fasting and prayer, that's how the kingdom is run. We've got to see it differently, beloved. 
So the influence of the kingdom is anywhere where the ways and the culture of the kingdom is manifest. Whatever sphere, military, agricultural, family, media, athletics, that's the kingdom. The church proclaims the kingdom. The church has the keys of the kingdom, which is the authority. And the church is God's main vehicle to spread the message and the culture of his kingdom. Okay. Foundational message of the kingdom. I'm landing. Foundational message of the kingdom is that the kingdom will be established on the earth and led by Jesus. Let me give you two verses. Luke 1, Gabriel prophesying to Mary. I just, that's still, ah, uh, little Mary. God is inside your belly. The root of David, the prophesied one, the Messiah to come, you're going to give birth to him. <laughs> she, think about it, she was already startled because she's pregnant and she doesn't know a man. You know what I mean? Like the angel goes, yeah, you have a seed in your, in your, in, inside of you. She goes, how could it be? I'm not, I've never been with a man. She goes, he goes, yeah, that's startling point number one, you're pregnant. Startling point number two, God's in there. <laughs> I mean, what kind of a quiet time was that? It's unbelievable. 16-year-old, she comes out like, um... What just happened? Thank God she didn't have Facebook. Who knows what she would have put out there. Gabriel prophesying. Look at this. Verse 33 to Mary. And he, that's talking about Jesus, will reign over the house of Jacob. That's Israel. The house of Jacob is Israel. That's Israel on the planet. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Look at Revelation eleven fifteen. This is when it happens. This is when the, the takeover is, uh, it's on. It's just, this is the, the beginning of the end of the Antichrist and the uh, end of the beginning, yeah, something. And it's the start of Jesus' reign of the earth. It's proclaimed at the seventh trumpet. Here's what the voices from heaven say. The kingdoms of this world. Where are those kingdoms? This world. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Jesus, I mean this is the core kernel reality of the kingdom. It's the joining together of all things in one head Christ. And Jesus will reign on the earth. These are such valuable and vital truths we've got to get. Okay, last thing. We have thought, Matthew 28, 18 and 19, Jesus said, uh, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of this age. And we have somehow contextualized, we have reduced, here's what we've done. We've reduced the discipling of the nations to the preaching of the gospel to all nations. The discipling of the nations and the preaching of the gospel to all nations are not the same thing. Now, in Matthew 24, 14, Jesus says, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all nations and then the end shall come. 
He gives us a prophetic timing indicator of when the end of this age comes. It's at the same time that the gospel is preached to all the nations. Okay? Now in Matthew 28, 18 and 19, when he says, Make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. That does not have a timing indicator on it. He goes, I'm with you always, and I'm with you through the end of this age. The idea is, I'm with you forever, and your job through this age is to to begin this endeavor of discipling the nations. Here's what we've done. We've diminished discipling the nations to the gospel proclamation of all nations. They're not the same thing. And somehow we've made it that all nations will be discipled before Jesus returns. But he doesn't give us that information in Matthew 28. He gives us different information. He says in Matthew 24, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations and then the end will come. But in Matthew 28, he doesn't give us a timing indicator. Does that make sense? So the point is, the discipling of the nations is an ongoing process that takes place through this age and the ages to come. The discipling of the nations will not be completed without Jesus on the planet ruling and reigning those very nations. Think about it. The discipling of the nations includes the culture and the value system of the kingdom being implemented in every sphere of every society from the top level of government down to the library. Beloved, we've got like one, not even 1% of the nations discipled. They have to obey the commands of Jesus. Now think about it. Is our nation discipled? Like even close? Can you point to a nation that's mostly discipled? This is gonna be, I mean, this is like, I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, you know, bum you out, but let's get this thing in context. There are no mostly discipled nations. The, pro, the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom is the timing indicator for the end of this age, but the discipling of the nations is something that happens throughout the next age. Every kingdom will come under the lordship of Jesus. Every sphere of every society will come under the lordship of Jesus. He is so smart. We've got this mentality that somehow everything changes. Like when Jesus shows up, he sort of waves his hand, snaps or something, and and bam, it's all spiritual and woo. No, there's going to be technology. There's going to be government. Can you imagine the technology that Jesus is, he's the main technology guy. He's super smart. Can you imagine healthcare? He's gonna be going, you guys, y'all are so cute. That penicillin thing, yeah, that was nice. All your little drugs, okay, cool. He goes, take this herb, put it in a blender, add a little salt to it. Here's a little dirt from over here. He says, it's right in front of you the whole time. Oh, yeah, that, that cures cancer every time. Just try that. Tastes like the devil, but it's good stuff. I mean, there's, there's no telling. There's no telling the technology. When we got, you know, we got the, the iPhone. We're like, whoa, she's like, oh, they're so cute. They got little walkie-talkies. Yeah, they got the can and the string. No, think about it. 
In a hundred years, hundred years ago, we thought, oh, the guy's got a blood disease. What do you do? Put leeches on him. Good idea. Put leeches on him? Yeah. hundred years ago, we're putting leeches on people for medicine. <clears throat> What's going to happen when Jesus comes back? He's going to go, yeah, you guys were cute. You were doing best you had, I guess. Yeah, here's, well, here's how you get bones healed. You know, I mean, he's he just going to show you how to, like, do it right. Eat this, watch the, watch the calcium, just, oh, you know, two weeks on a broken arm. I mean, he doesn't even have to do, the, he'll do the supernatural healing thing, but, beloved, he's going to show us so many amazing things that we don't even comprehend. Technology, how to run government, how to lead, how to build business, trade, commerce, All of these things are going to be resident in the next age. Stunning. You and I, we get to be a part of it. We're part of the leadership team. So the born-again people from this age, they get glorified bodies. Those that make it through, they populate the nations, chiefly Israel. All the Jews that make it through, they populate uh, Israel, and then all the rest of the nations that make it through. And then here's what happens. Isaiah tells us this. That the child that dies at a hundred years old, he's considered accursed. So my point is, four hundred years old is going to be like, whatever, normal. Five hundred years old, you know, they're like, well, that guy Methuselah nine hundred sixty nine. Well, yeah, that I mean, you maybe have a guy that lives eight hundred years of the millennium. He's going to be like, you know, 800 years telling the 10-year-old, yeah, I remember back then, Jesus came back, flaming fire, killed the Antichrist. That's sweet. I mean, he's going to be just telling it. <laughs> How old were you, Grandpa? I was 10, your age. How old are you now? 800. Well, with a healed environment, a healed ground, curse is lifted. Jesus telling us how to do, like, health, and massive healing meetings. You know what I mean? I mean, when, when the nutrients get back into the soil because the curse is lifted, spinach is going to be really, it's going to be the Popeye effect for real. I mean, imagine, you know, you get all these nutrients now, but the ground is cursed. What happens when the curse lifts and the ground actually produces what it was intended to produce? what's going to be the nutrient, what's going to be stuff that's going to be able to sustain the human body for hundreds of years? This is so cool. Amen, let's stand. So that's just why we need to study this stuff, because we have no picture of it. I know I've said it a thousand times, but we've got to get it. Jesus is coming back to rule and reign over every sphere of every society, of every nation across the earth. Get that point. Because that broadens it all for you. You understand you're not part of just some small little thing just trying to get by from week to week. You're actually part of a global empire led by Jesus. Good. Lord, we love you. We want to connect to the truths of your kingdom. We want to see things as they are. We want the blinders to lift We want to understand your agenda, what you're doing. We want to comprehend the kingdom that we're a part of. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.
couple years ago, someone had a dream. And in the dream, they saw a man who's going to be with the Lord. And he was, uh, he was known for his teaching on the kingdom of God. And that man was coming and he was putting a mantle on me. I was stepping into that man's mantle. It's just interesting because I'd never studied his life, but I knew that he was uh, famous for his teaching on the kingdom. And the more that I touch it, the more it just expands in my heart. The more that I, that I begin to study this, this vein in the scripture, oh, it just comes more and more alive to me. But I just feel like, some of you say, you know what, this is a, a, a main thing that I want to study. Some of you, it's just going to be a, a, a habit for, for years to study the details of the kingdom, the age to come. Some of you, it's going to be a, a focus of your proclamations. You're going to preach uh, the truths of the kingdom. I just want to pray for you. If you'd say, you know what, I, that, I feel like, I, I feel just, maybe you just feel like you want to go deep in the study of the kingdom of God. The millennium. Maybe you feel like that might be a, a, a grace the Lord's inviting you to. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, just step up from where you're standing. scriptures unveiled unlocked declaring the truth the Lord Jesus the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords now I ask release grace on the heart right now grace on the heart right now just want to, while they're just here I just want to invite several of you just to come to begin to pray for you pray for these just that there be an impartation of grace any believers you're a believer you can come asking the Lord to release grace on the heart revelation understanding the king and his kingdom come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit